Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Identity. <coughs> Culture. <laughs> what we like to read and who we like to read. Food for Thought, we truly put the ass in crass. <laughs> and you know that's true. <laughs> oh. uh, so instead of making sex noises, are we pivoting to like full like... Illness. Yeah, it, like it, b- body choking sounds. Um, Absolutely. We were making... I, barnyard 100. I didn't know we were making sex noises. Is that what we've been doing all this time? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Joe was like, those are just the, na- the noises that naturally come out of my body. Those are my body noises. Yeah, <laughs> That's just, yeah. I wasn't trying to make noises at all. I just got my nose a little too close to the microphone. No more. No more, baby. I'm going to do right. Joe, how you doing? You got COVID. Sorry to break the news. Yeah, that was going to be my third thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm Joseph Osmond, scientist, nonfiction writer, and I finally got covid oh baby uh, we'll talk about it more later i'm 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 t- my, my energy is gonna be a little low today Are you having COVID but i am sex? feeling fine no it, because covid it, makes you feel deeply unsexual right i was just mm. that was a that was a question but it's now a statement <laughs> yes <laughs> yes Oh my god, I have a friend who will not go named, but he is maybe one of my freakiest friends, and he's also one of my only friends who's a top. And um, back in the day when Devin, so my partner got very, very, very sick and had a 103 degree fever, and he was like, you have to top him. It is so fucking hot to top someone with a fever. Their pussy is extra warm. You gotta get in there and feel it. If you've never barebacked someone with a fever before, you have to do it right now. I was like, nope. What type no. of Mary-ass shit is no. that? Wait, that's kind of, nope. that's whack wow. to be like, yeah, I'm a my fucking put my fucking dick in a pizza oven, bitch. Like, exactly. We're gonna exactly. heat up this, this fucking dick like a fucking air fryer. Exactly. We want that bussy no less than 107.2. Where the skeet meets the heat. Come on. Wow. Okay. Really I said, what I said, what I said was, I said, starve a cold, breed a fever. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. If you really think about it, this is like what American Pie, that whole franchise is really, like, I guess Predicated inspired on. by, based on. So, yeah, I suppose I don't know. so. In these dark days, my name is Tommy Atib Spico, indigenous American poet, screenwriter, TV writer, and the bossiest homophobe this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> the Mississippi, yes. I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and this week's show is going to feature even more nose noises from me than usual. Sorry. Wow. I'm, yeah, I know. I don't even know how we can account for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, God. I'm Fran. I'm a writer. I'm an editor. And get me the fuck out of L.A. I'm drinking a turmeric tonic. And I think I paid. That's a choice, baby. And I think I paid like $11 for this. 
Wow. If you count the delivery fee. Like, this is gross. <laughs> you got your turmeric tonic delivered? Yeah. With a, with, a, with a grain bowl. Oh, God, I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a grain oh. bowl. I'm moving oh, back to New no. York. I am Den Michelle Norris. I'm a reader, a writer, and a former figure skater. And last night at the Ice Theater of New York Gala, I was finally recognized in public as my truest self, the goddess that she is. Oh, uh, it really just means that a very lovely white woman came up to me in the middle of the dinner and was like, you are a goddess. Your hair. You are a goddess. You are a goddess. And I was like, okay. well, that's true. These are literally, these are like goddess braids. So it's, I was like, yeah. Okay, real quick, not to yuck her yum, but do, do any of y'all ever feel like compliments from, you know, particularly white women can feel a little microaggressive? Oh, yeah. I think I, 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 they feel so condescending to me. But like, I take them. <laughs> I love them. Like sometimes. But other times I'm like, I was like, when you when you say I'm gorgeous, do you really do you mean do you mean I'm gorgeous or are you making me like a part of your, I don't know, diversity committee for something? I so I sometimes feel like as a trans person who is not cis passing that sometimes certain white women, I think, see me, clock me, then feel the need to affirm how beautiful I am. Mm -hmm. And so that perhaps sometimes it comes from this whatever we would call that place than like a sort of genuine balls to the wall. Oh my God, I'm so stunned by this person. But I mean, you would have thought I was Beyonce last night. Like the way that I just, and you know, I love to make a white woman worship. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, I'll take it. I'm happy. Look, Be Beyonce mm. is still in her blonde era. And so are you. I mean, look at that. I mean, actually, I guess Beyonce's out of her blonde era. She's in her like light brown era. Yeah, she's in her honey golden era. We'll get, honey I'll gold. get there too in the fall. But you yeah, know, yeah. the other thing <laughs> is, like, I've been having the, I've been having the craziest COVID dreams, and I've only had a COVID dream last night that I was directing a Beyonce photo shoot with her children. <laughs> Wait, and I was like, Beyonce, lie down on the ground in Prospect Park by my house. Lie down like this and put your legs like that. Oh, that's so cute. Yes, let's get a photo just like that. Yes, COVID dreams. I've Beyonce some... would never. <laughs> I had some I know really whack COVID dreams. What is that? Like, I like a COVID dream that is actually like too long to even detail to you all. Like, it was so. Yeah, it's just epic. I mean, we still. So there's a lot of like bad science around what COVID does to your brain and whether it gets there, and we don't really know. Mm. But for sure, your immune system is going crazy yeah. and you're running a fever. So it's like your whole body is just kind of stressed out. So yeah, you're gonna have weird fucking dreams. Yeah, it's a fever well dream, I guess. It's a fever dream, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, on Zoloft, I have the most vivid dreams. Ooh, maybe I should get like, on Zoloft. Like I had that trans, like they it feels so real, and I'm both aware of and not aware of me dreaming. And sometimes it can be terrifying, and sometimes it's litty. <laughs> so I'm like, I can have sex with anyone I want to. <laughs> oh my god, wow. let's get out of here. I yeah. have the menu. I have the menu today, y'all. We're gonna we're gonna ruin yet another life. Uh, we are going to give you COVID. You're welcome. And we end as always with one delicious bite. Yum yum yum. I'm feeling peckish. It's time we start this top of the show the way any good top should with our little uproarious appetizer segment amuse boosh. Den, your line. <laughs> Cha-ching! Get out your coin purses, benches. It's time for Penny for your thoughts. 
Yes, once again, our disgusting <laughs> advice segment by four garbage humans who you definitely should not take advice from. And this is a recent one. We got this in our Twitter DMs, I think, just maybe about a week ago. Um, either that or was there a fever dream and I wrote it to myself. Not sure which. Um, I, I condensed it a little bit just to get it in the pod. Okay. And it reads, about two years ago, my romantic partnership at that time broke down and it was really hard. I had been friends with my former partner for about three years and we had shifted our relationship to make space for a little sexual exploration, which quickly morphed into a romantic partnership. My former flame was such a dear friend to me, but seemingly that aspect of our relationship sunk with the rest of it. Over the last year, I've slowly unfurled a really sweet friendship with someone, and I recent re- recently realized I have a crush on them, too. A part of me wants to tell them. However, an even louder part of me is worried about messing up that friendship. My crush keeps getting bigger, but so does my fear of losing or messing up our friendship. I know this friend is also very appreciative of our relationship, but I don't get the feeling they have a crush on me that is outside of the platonic realms. My relationship with this friend is different than my former love. They are different people, but it is similar in quality of connection, if that makes sense. It's the end of the world, and I'm scared to lose another friendship by bringing sex and kissing and touching and kissing and touching and sex. What do y'all think I should do? Love baby tiger, big feelings, and still learning how to use them. I don't oh, baby tiger. That's mm. hilarious because we have the exact opposite love styles. The closer I get platonically to someone, the less sexual they get to me. Like <laughs> I'm the same taking way. the non loads only, okay? I have literally had at this has happened to me at least twice, if not multiple times, where I was madly 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 in love with like a really really close friend and they never knew about it and then the more we got to know each other the more i was like oh you are kind of whack uh and and (laughs) i just want to be your friend like that sounds great um so i don't know i feel like honestly all of our penny questions uh not all but like a huge majority of our penny questions are about a kind of murky Mm-hmm. Are we friends? Mm-hmm. Are we fucking kind of scenario? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I maybe is there? We have we done a whole episode about fucking friends? I don't think so. Maybe but maybe, maybe, we, maybe it warrants we, a full episode. Maybe yeah. We must. Yeah. Also, honestly, like is... for the thoughts at home, if you have suggestions for episode <laughs> topics, please you know tag us on social or something because we we yes. are always looking for new ideas. Let us know. Yeah. All right. I so. D-, D, go ahead. I was going to say, regarding this question, my y'all know that normally, like, I'm a fan of boundaries. I'm pretty strict about being, like, if we're friends, we're not fucking. Like, I like, I like to keep those lines clear and to really protect the friendships because I'm one of those girls where, in my experience, like, men come and go and friends are forever. Um, but I don't know. You know, the world is, the world is ending, one way or another in in all these different ways. And I just kind of feel like throw caution to the wind and explore things and, 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 you know, dive into the possibilities and, you know, it's like money. You can't take it with you when you die. So, you know, if it's, if you really want to explore it, um, then I think sometimes it's worth it to take the risk and at least be honest about how you feel. Um, and the other thing is that this sounds like a friendship where if if the feelings aren't reciprocated, then everything might be okay. It seems like the scarier aspect is if the feelings are reciprocated and if things go awry. Mm. But but from where I'm standing, 
no matter what you do and no matter how it works out, you've had this experience. And so you can traverse similar territory because you have learned from it and you can behave differently and do everything you can to give another person the opportunity to behave differently, which they likely will because these are different people, as you've said, anyway. So I'm kind of inclined to say it's okay to go for it if you want to go for it. I'm very much of two minds about this question. I like very much sympathize with this person. I also have lots of crushes on my friends and then I'm in that weird space of what do I do with them? Do I act on them? And I definitely feel like, as we've talked about before, it's not like a, a, a hard... Queers don't have hard and fast rules against fucking our friends or getting romantically involved with our friends. But I'm more curious about something else with this um, listener where it seems like they keep falling for their closest friends. Like, yeah. what is it about sort of the level of intimacy and maybe safeness in that relationship that allows you to open up these more romantic and sexual feelings? And maybe that is, like, telling you something about your, like, romantic and sexual style, mm-hmm. that you really like to get to know someone first. And so, um, you know, maybe it's not even specific to this person, but it is information about, like, how you fall for someone. Yeah, and I want to also just say, maybe this is because I'm an old bitch, but, like, not all attractions need to culminate in, like, mm-hmm. in romance. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just have a crush on somebody. It's not life or death, and you'll have crushes on other people if your allegiance is to the friendship. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Again, it's th- this is one either you say something or you don't, right? That's, like, kind of where we are. And there are arguments for either one. I personally believe I'm I've like I've, I'm not gonna lie, I got a little crush on somebody I'm a friend with right now and I've I've had a crush on him as long as I've known him, but it's also like I know him well enough to know like that is not a bridge I wanna cross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm. And it's okay. It's okay to have crushes. That is I, true. Joe, Sometimes an unrequited crush is the best kind of crush for yeah. many reasons. Yeah, the pining kind of hurt the pining like hurts so good sometimes. It Um, totally does. I feel like whether or not you pursue the crush on someone who you're really close with is probably contingent on what, how, where you are and what stage in your life. So for Tommy to say, like, I'm an old bitch, so I don't do that anymore. Like, I don't have to do that anymore. I think it's, like, very true to life because we've wisened to the times where that didn't work out in our favor. Or, you know, we no longer are in a kind of scarcity mentality that usually um, exists in your early 20s, your queer early 20s, where you're like, I have to fuck every single person that I have an opportunity to fuck. And if not, that I'm not, not real or not viable which is like a stage we all have to go through. That's I'm not like negging that. Um, I am someone who, this is a very corny exercise, but when I reach a crossroads, I always think to myself like in five years or in 10 years, will I have, will I wish that I have pursued it? Like, or mm-hmm. will, is it something that I, you know, will be fine to have never lived through? And I think that your honest assessment of that question will usually give you the answer. And I, I do think that I, I'm, you know, a live, laugh, love kind of girl. I think that, you know, having fucking your friends is like an amazing thing to do. And I believe in a queer futurity where we are seamlessly fucking other members of our friend group and there not being a ton of drama around it. Where it stands right now, queer people love to fuck their friends and there is a lot of drama, you know. And I love the drama, love the drama. Yes, we do love the drama Live sometimes. The drama. Am I the, the drama? drama? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, I, I think that we are not that is a that is a utopic paradise that we have not yet, you know, achieved. And so right now what we're getting is trials and tribulations toward a, a queer futurity wherein we can fuck our friends more seamlessly. 
Um, but I don't know. Do you think disclosing, I mean, here's the other thing. It's like, you can mention it and not act like, I don't know. Like I'm thinking a lot about transparency and honesty and friendships and stuff like that. And, you know, just being like, Hey, just so it's not weird. I just want, you to know, I have a crush on you. (gasps) You know, I'm just, you know, you said that to someone. No, I actually said that to my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is very different. Tommy teams. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. just that just totally just reminds me of being in like middle school and like sitting in front of a girl and being like, I have a crush on you as like my only way to like hope that they like me back. Um, like but it is, I think it is, it is fine. Like I have a couple of friends and it's also, you can totally have crushes on people who you know you're not compatible with yeah. uh, romantically, yeah. you know, like, oh my God, I have a friend who's going through a divorce who I've had a crush on for a g- gajillion years. He knows I have a crush on him. I think he has a crush on me too. <laughs> I'm happily partnered. We're mostly monogamous. Nothing is ever going to happen. But like you're saying, it's like nice to have a crush. It's nice to acknowledge the crush. We like flirt back and forth sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like low-key rejected, but it's not that big a deal. It's just like, it. I don't have to make it be more than what it is. Exactly. In, mm-hmm. in the little space that it gets to exist. I also love having crushes. They motivate me like nothing else. Like I have a gym crush i go to the gym every day <laughs> just in the hopes that i run into that man and i get some you know exercise and done one in in the meantime i remember like i ha- like having um every time i'd get on the subway car just to 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 beat down the monotony or the or, or the claustrophobia or the whatever of the ride i would just like choose one person on the subway to have a crush on just to be like you know, because I mean, this was also when I was younger, so it was like more motivating force. I don't necessarily need to do that shit anymore, but like just to just to kind of play with the space and like have I'd have crushes on people. But I, it, the thing is, crushes can feel crushing when you're in the middle of them. That's why they're called a crush because you're just like you know, um, especially if it's like that intense and like you start seeing the and especially when you're younger and you don't necessarily have as much going on. I remember so much of my my esteem was wrapped up in how uh, in, 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 in men and then like how I was perceived by men. And so like having a crush on them meant like I could only see the world through the, that, that tinted lens. Um, and as I got older and cultivated more interests and became a person <laughs> that was less, uh, less dire. Um, but I don't, I, 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 my opinion at this point, and this is just me, it's just like, wait a little bit. I think it's always worth it to wait. You're, you're never going to regret taking longer to think about it you know yeah yep. yeah um, patience so that was like time. that was like 10 minutes of non-advice yeah. and like a one sentence piece of advice one word <laughs> wait yeah wait. <laughs> or just, just wait. wait because here's the thing <laughs> good advice is, though good advice the, the more you get to know someone the more they reveal them like who they really are and what's interesting about the dynamic of getting to know someone who you have a crush on and maybe could date like you're wondering if you could ever date is that they will reveal much more to you if you're a friend, but not if you're a romantic prospect. Mm -hmm. So you have a very sneaky spy way of knowing more about them without Fran, really... only you would view a friendship as a s- way to spy. It is. It is. <laughs> I because, you people, people don't, because when you when you are romantically fixated with someone, people don't show their, their true colors. That's just human nature. We don't share all of ourselves because we're trying to, you know, be perfect for the people that we want to You've never fuck. dated a Pisces before, Fran. Well, I mean, that's a little TMI scenario, but... Um, <laughs> oh, oh my God, I forgot. Yeah, Yikes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I, I feel like I... 
I don't know. I think I think that it's a it's a good way to get to know someone before you really decide. I think that they will surprise you um, in what they reveal, and I think that will inform you as to whether this is a real dating prospect or not. Yeah. Yes. 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 Hmm. I think it's time we get to the meat of the discussion. The thought process spelled T-H-O-T. 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 And y'all, this week, this podcast has COVID. <laughs> Joe has it. Fran had it. Alex and Kenya had it. I was exposed last Wednesday and I've been rapid testing every single day and PCR testing just to make sure that I've been negative. And I have been negative this whole time. And Joe says I'm probably out of the woods. And I don't know, if uh, D, what your experience of this motherfucking virus has been. But like... We, what are we doing? Like navigating through this, <laughs> navigating through this new phase of the pandemic, which like where everyone is kind of pretending like it's not there. And yet I feel like everyone on my Instagram feed, they're just falling like dominoes, like Shira and Angel. And then my, like, and like my friend Roy and he's got it, but his partner never did. And they live in the same house and sleep in the same bed, you know? So, and it's like, and and how it manifests in people is so individualistic. And it's just, there are so many things. Like I feel like a winky frowny right now because I'm like, you know, I'll go out and I like I was supposed to go to a comedy show and it was like on the thing it said everyone wore masks, so I did. And then I got there, there was like three people in masks. And I was like, actually mm-hmm. I I don't want to stay in this room right now. And it was a full theater. And I was like, do 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 it. Yeah, it's wild. It's like wild because even as numbers are spiking, like numbers are definitely spiking, first of all. Even based on the tests we have, and most people are testing at home, so we're definitely undercounting. New York City has not updated. The best way to tell what's really going on is what's called wastewater testing, where they literally test sewage for um, for COVID because um, that you poop out COVID RNA if you have COVID, and it's like what? it's a, it's a population based sample, so it's not based on how many people are getting tests or whatever. And if you look at like Omicron in Boston and New York and other places, the poop levels of COVID follows exactly the, the, the case levels. So it's actually like a really good predictor. <laughs> but of course, New York City is not updating. <clears throat> it's supposed to be like they have the data. They have yesterday's data. They probably have today's data uh, by now. They're not op- updating it on the website. So we can't really see what's <laughs> going on. But we know anecdotally and based on the data we do have that numbers are rising. And yet, in New York, they're like, oh, you don't need a mask for Broadway shows anymore. Let's stick 5,000 people in a theater and, and half of them be from out of town. Let's, go, let's all get on airplane. Like when I was coming back from Texas 10 days ago, there were like three people on the airplane with a mask on. On the airplane yeah. in a flying metal tube with strangers. I mean, it's so like as a scientist, I'm like a part of me is like, I can't really tell how much of this is like new variants and how much of this is just like people not giving a fuck Mm -hmm. at all anymore about anything. Well, I remember like thinking, like reading about Spanish flu and like how it it was more deadly in the second year than in the first. And I I can totally see why, because people are just fucking tired of, of having to take precautions for something that, I mean, that, that a sizable portion of the population may not even like they don't even believe in science and vaccines and all that kind of stuff and it's kind of maddening to think how like because it's like I, I mean if i if i felt rudderless at any point 
I feel it right now more so than I think I have in the past. Cause in the past, at least like, I was like, we have mandates, we have things like, you know, and there was that one brief moment last year when it seemed like it was almost going to go away. And now it's like, wait, so, so cases are rising and they're saying variants are coming and yet precautions are zero. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it almost just like the way that I'm thinking about, so like, I, my partner and I both have COVID. I definitely got it from him. Um, I had asked him to like, because I was traveling to Texas um, to do my very first book event and had my audiobook recording. And it was just a period of time where if I had gotten COVID in that time, it would have been really, really shitty for me. Like my whole like book launch schedule would have been fucked. And so I asked him, hey, do you mind like if we both kind of are more risk aware? And he like literally canceled like nights out and stuff. And so after I got through all that stuff, I, I was just like, yeah, I mean, obviously I asked, thank you so much for doing that. He literally had one night out, one night out and got COVID. And then the thing is, it it was hell because we live in a tiny apartment and I'm like, it was cold and rainy and I'm like sitting on the balcony. The balcony is the only place I can sit without a mask on. And I'm like so scared and I'm like bringing him food and he was fucking sick, man. He lost his sense of taste and smell. Oh, he had a 103 degree fever. Oof. He was locked by himself in the bedroom. No TV, like just his little computer. Like, And then I was in the living room sleeping on the couch, not sleeping well. So fucking stressed about getting it. Mm. So when I finally got my test positive, I was like, thank fucking God. Yeah, I was going like, to ask, way, like, isn't that a relief? It was, and, and like, I've talked to, like, it's it feels weird to say it out loud, but I've talked to a few people who are in this situation where they live in a one bedroom with their partner and their partner gets it. And like three days later when they, it is just, we <laughs> expensive big cities are not built for isolation in apartments. Like it is just no. not set up. We have one bathroom. We have one small kitchen. It was miserable. It was miserable. And then it, so it's just been this journey and like, uh, the other thing that I know uh, Teams wanted to talk about was the Pax, the Pax Packs, the Pax Lovids. So here's the thing. Here's the message Wait, coming what, from the CDC. Yeah, what, what can you clarify, Pax Lovids? Oh, I will. So I will clarify the fuck out of it. <laughs> the message coming from the government is everyone has access to three vaccines, if not four, if they want. So we have good vaccinations that renders the virus less severe. That's definitely true. We also finally have a, a at least one good therapeutic. It's a drug called Paxlovid. It's related to HIV protease inhibitors, and it's an antiviral. It's prescription only. Uh, you have to start taking it as soon as you feel symptoms. It's a five-day course. Uh, right now, it's largely for people at higher risk. But for example, in New York City, I was able to get it for my partner because of um, because of the disproportionate COVID outcomes for people of color in New York City, people of color ha get access to the drugs regardless of their underlying conditions. So I was able to call, we were able, I had him call up the the COVID line and then um, basically it's 212 COVID in New York City mm -hmm. or some shit like that. And you that. get COVID. Did you get your three free meals or whatever, your meal boxes? They don't, they're not doing that shit anymore. Test and trace is done. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. They're not doing shit anymore. And even then, it was like a nightmare to actually get the drug. It's like the, the line, of course, doesn't know what pharmacy to send you to. And they sent us to a pharmacy that doesn't give Paxlovid. So there's good information on Twitter. Uh, if you look on my Twitter or other folks about how to actually get the drug, but for him at least, it the drug helped him go from what was a really fucking miserable 103 degree fever, horrible infection, to like 24 hours later being better. Um, so it highly recommend. So the the government is saying we have Paxlovid, we have vaccination, we're managing COVID. You know, that's why they're like, it's fine to, it's everyone's individual responsibility. But like, I've been clinically depressed because it's like, he went out one time. Mm -hmm. It's like, if we want to leave the house, is this just what it's going to be like for now? Like, you leave the house once every six months, you're going to get COVID and be stuck inside for 10 days? That's the- And potentially be really sick? That's literally the question I have. Like, is this sort of the leveling out, what we're seeing now? Is this- There's no way to know. And that's the thing is that there's never been a way to know, though. And I, I think that mm-hmm. I, I'm resisting. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm resisting the urge to to speak, like, extremely candidly because, you know, I, I don't ever want to proselytize apathy or, you know, like, do whatever you want. Or, like, you know, I, I, I've spoken on this podcast before about, you know, risk assessment and how we decide to live our lives and when and where. And I feel like this conversation right now is like, we're all trying to say again and again and again, like it costs you nothing to exercise precaution, like to, 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 to do so in a way that, that makes sense to you according to what you've read. Um, Like it really, it it does not hurt to continue to exercise precaution. I am honestly, the way I'm kind of honestly, like thinking about Angel and Shira, or thinking about YouTubes or thinking about Joe when you got when you felt relief that that uh, for lack of a better word relief to like finally get it. I feel like sometimes COVID um, COVID has a tendency to worsen existing anxieties. And when COVID is the scariest thing on the planet, um, we it gives us an excuse to be as anxious as we want. I would never say it isn't that bad because obviously it's still killing people. But as soon as it's, as soon as you're through it, I would hope that the anxiety that you have been keeping at a very high simmer for two years can now maybe be at a low simmer. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean that you exercise less precaution. That doesn't mean that you're stupider about COVID. That doesn't mean that you care less about whether people, whether or not people get it. But I do think that it is psychically better for you <laughs> to have experienced what was your greatest fear. 
I, I also like, even though I haven't tested positive, I, the day after when, when they, when I got a text message with the two positive COVID tests, I was like, huh. So the nightmare scenario that I've been trying to avoid for two and a half, two plus years happened. Now, what do you do? And it was like, I, I was actually way more practical than I was anxious. I was less anxious knowing I'd been exposed than if I would have gone to that dinner and nobody would have said anything. And like, I just would have wondered for days on end if I was exposed to COVID. So having that as a finite point actually did make me feel better. And, you know, I, I also feel it was like, it was like a stupid thing too, because like, again, I'm like, I was the only one wearing a mask inside and they were like, if you want outdoor seating, the wait's going to be a half an hour. And then the entire party looked at me and I was like, fine, well, let's eat inside. And like, and so we had a two hour dinner where everyone was like laughing at each other's faces. And then next morning I get that little notification. And I was like, oh, well, actually had a really lovely time. Yeah, I was going <laughs> like to ask, did it, what did, it, what, that didn't make it any less worth it, did it? I mean, I, I feel like it was, I had a dinner with a couple of uh, people who are working on a show that I'm like kind of thinking about adapting. And one of them is like a Australian and indigenous woman. And we just had so much fun. And I was like, you are fam now. You yeah. know, like it was, this is like a new person in my life who I deeply like, we just spoke the same language immediately. And it was like, and she's foul mouthed in a gutter slut. We just had so much fun. And, you know, I think Australians and and, and in general, I think as a culture are like a little bit more like um, being profane isn't as bad as, or, or isn't received as, as like pearl clutchingly as it is in the United States. Cause you know, this was a country that was like founded by Puritans and genocide and slavery. Like, so, um, but, but, but I would just mean like, I, I, having had that as a fixed point in time when I didn't exercise the most precaution and that did actually leave me, um, susceptible or like, um, exposed to COVID. I, I was, yeah, like what you're saying, Fran, I was actually so much less anxious and I'm just like, okay, so I'm doing what I can. I'm testing every day. I'm staying at the house, uh, you know, and I, I was supposed to go to, to karaoke with, with Drea. And I was like, I'm not going to do that because you're going back home to see your mother for her birthday next week. And you're baking her a cake. And like, if I gave it to you, I would feel bad, but we're probably okay. If I exposed your parents, I would never forgive myself. I think what you're, what you're saying is so important. And, and I kind of, I feel like I come at this a little bit differently than, than Fran, I guess, not surprisingly. I don't, I, I, um, we all know you can get COVID more than once and we all know that it can be worse the second time uh, and that you can be triple vaxxed and get it more than once. So I don't feel like I'm going to come out the other side of this. Probably for the next two months, I will have really good immunity yeah. and be at way less risk of another COVID um, six months from now. Not not the case. Um, I feel like it totally individual risk behaviors, as we learn from HIV, are not worth like picking apart and blaming people over, um, you know, all the way back to Tim Dean's unlimited intimacy when a disease is so stigmatized and pleasurable things like sex or social behaviors then become associated with that stigma. Yeah. It then actually becomes pleasurable to um, break that taboo and then 
that can become an eroticization of getting the disease, where the disease actually feels like a relief, right? That's what his book, Unlimited Intimacy, was about in the context of HIV, which is obviously a lifelong chronic illness as opposed to COVID, which is an acute illness. But for me, for me, for me, for me, like what Teebs is saying about still leading with care, still like I like for me, if I were at my book launch, it's going to be masks only, vaccine check. The after party is at an outdoor space. You know what I mean? I, I still, for me, taking those steps, especially as cases continue to rise, where I still get to have the pleasure of having a book launch in person, but do it with the notion that there's going to be, you know, maybe 100 people there who all have different experiences and different places they come from and different maybe pre-existing conditions. And also, my partner had no pre-existing conditions and was fucking sick was really fucking sick. And I wouldn't want to have that happen to me every six months. You know, so I I think that it's it's this I'm not gonna be less anxious about COVID after this. I promise you I won't. Like it's just maybe for two months, maybe I'll feel really good on my book tour because it'll be June, July, and I'm gonna be really well protected then. But this shit is just I feel like what I'm noticing is that people want the world to be different than how it is. People want the world not to have COVID in it, but it does. I agree with you. People want the world to be different and people are acting like the world is different and that we don't have COVID right now. And I think my question is that, and this is less, this is not for people that are wearing masks and exercising precaution. This is for people that, you know, have like one indoor hang a quarter still. People that are extremely reclusive because they're still that scared of COVID. I think my question to you is, how many more years will you do that? Because we're two years in, and I think in the first year or year and a half, it's like, I think in the first year, it's like there were, there, it was, it, it's life or death. And there are, a, there's a lot of like lack of information and reasons why we need to stay inside. And now it's like, it, and now it's just like, what, like, wh- how, how much longer now that we have access to, a handful of things that are making this slightly less traumatizing. What, when do we then decide to live our lives? You know what I mean? I mean, that, that's how I think about it. And I have not had COVID yet. I have somehow managed Miraculously. to avoid it. <laughs> um, like I, my roommate had it. I went and quarantined elsewhere and didn't get it. I went to AWP. I wore masks where I was asked to wear masks. I did not wear a mask where I was not required to wear a mask. I didn't get it. A bunch of people around me got it. Um, and then I got sick a couple of weeks, a little bit sick a couple of weeks ago, but it was just sinuses. It wasn't COVID also. Um, I don't know how I have managed. <laughs> um, but what I will say is that like, I went from being a super, super reclusive, very nervous person about COVID in 2020 to being someone where I'm willing to take moderate risks. Like I still wear masks at some indoor things, but not all. Um, but I go and like, I'm not willing to eat outside in the cold if I have the option of eating indoors, even in this climate. Like I just, I hate, I hate being cold. Um, and for me, what I've come to realize is it is, is sort of like along the lines of what the government is saying. Like at this point, I am, I've done everything to arm myself as best as I can. I am planning to get that fourth shot though, but I, I've done everything I can to arm myself. I wash my hands constantly. 
Um, I still mask up. I still buy new masks, um, you know. And for me, my my solution to not wanting to live with COVID is not to just like pretend like it doesn't exist. It's to make these things just regular parts of my everyday life. Like, like I don't have, like, don't think about it. Just do it. Like, put a mask on. It takes two seconds. Like, for me, it's like, like the best way for me to to live like I like COVID doesn't exist is just to like normalize these things and then maybe eventually one day that will actually be reality. But I do just want to say that that we have to remember like we're all in the grand scheme of things relatively young. Um, none of us are parents. Like I have so many friends who have children under the age of five, and the way they have to live their lives right now is still so different because of what because of the risks that their babies and toddlers face and not being able to I think be vaccinated and so um like I have I have a really close friend from grad school and she lives a block from me and we can only hang out outdoors because um her three-year-old isn't you know for can't be vaccinated and isn't vaccinated and I just sort of feel like I mean that sort of sucks for her that ha- that she has to live with that level of like care care um but you know i would never forgive myself if i exposed her baby to covid and we you know it's a nice opportunity for us to like take walks around our neighborhood and like get you know get coffees and walk around and go to the dog park and like it's just you know, you take this, you, you, we are now in a place where we can take the risk and we can integrate it into our lives in such a way that I think by and large, it doesn't have to feel extreme or it doesn't have to feel like you are missing out on the things that you used to be able to do. And I think that, that doing that, finding ways to do that normalizes it can normalize the feeling of of can i just say that extremity is a is a key word in that i think and that like it's about you like monitoring and keeping track of extreme emotional reactions to something that maybe warrants a moderate emotional reaction because to me if you accidentally exposed a baby to covid I don't think that we should be living in a world where you need to feel like a gravity a gravity and guilt around that. Like I think that we as humans should be like not like taking on like per, like a, a kind of personal like oh my god this is absolutely my fault that I like got sick. Like it, I I just like I just don't think that we should be living in like extremity in in that way. You know, it's just well, psychologically Fran, I mean- taxing. At the same time, we are living in extreme times. I mean, I'm not saying we should always be at 10, but, um, you know, and I don't think anyone should feel personally guilty or upset. For I don't feel bad about getting COVID. I'm not mad at my partner for giving me COVID. I've actually found that I've figured out ways to integrate COVID safety in, into my life that I actually kind of prefer to how my life was yeah. before. Yeah. You know, I go, I, I still go out, but I'm much more careful about going out. I only go out to things that I really want to go to. And I actually like that. I'm much more comfortable um, cooking with friends at home than going to restaurants. And I find that I actually much prefer cooking for friends at home. Being a dog than parent going to will restaurants. also give you all those excuses. Though. And 
Yeah. And I just, I, I really want to add one thing that is so critically important from a scientific point of view. I'm not here saying to never go out or to, to, to alter your life. What I'm saying, what the epidemiological advice is, is you have to know what's happening in your local area. There are times when it's going to be totally chill to go to the Eagle mm. and suck face maskless. Yeah. But right now, for example, is not that time because cases are rising really quickly. And so it's not about having dogmatic rules. Oh, COVID is here and now I yeah. always have to do X. It's about looking up the curve in your city, looking up the best data you can, talking to experts in your life and asking, what are the risks right now? What are the risks this month? I mean, there have been many times when I've gone to the Eagle since 2020 and, and sucked face. Um, but those have been times when the data in New York City showed that that was relatively low risk for me in my community. And so I think to me, it's it's about balancing the things that we find pleasurable with the risk that they have, but then also always leading with care and living in the world as it is, not in the world as we wish it to be. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a way to do that, like in a rational sort of not emotional way. Like I might feel guilt if I exposed my friend's child to COVID because that's my friend and I love her and I love her child. But all it means is that I can rationally be like, all right, like, like this is safe to do. This is comfortable for you to do. Like we can hang out in this way and maybe not in that way, but this is perfectly fine. Um, because, you know, because that's the world we live in. Um, so I think you like you can take things that have that can be emotionally extreme and pull out the extremity and just rationally address them. And I think that at this point, we have enough information to do that. And I guess my whole rant or ramble is that like where I just felt scared and anxious for 2020 about everything in my life in addition to this, um, I now feel like I have the power of knowledge and the power of decision-making in a way that I didn't then. Yeah. And that yeah, fear, is good. Fear is not a good emotion no. to drive decision-making. No. And, and I, I, I don't want to say that everyone needs to be afraid all the time, but I, I just think it actually makes me feel better about myself and about my actions to just always bring care into, into it and to remember that I'm not an isolated individual um, who can get sick. I'm an individual in a social network, in a city, in a community um, who, when I get sick, there are ramifications for people around me and many layers of people. Um, and, and just to, to have that as a thought in, in the, at, at the forefront of my brain, um, not at the back of my brain. Cause if it's at the back of my brain, it comes up with guilt, I think, because you're maybe acting in ways that you, there's a part of your brain that is saying, Hey, like, you know, maybe think differently about this. So to me, it's just about leading with care and, and leading with the idea that, you know, we're all in this together and we wish the world were different. Um, yeah. And it hopefully will be someday. And this is why also remembering and reminding ourselves that getting COVID is not, illness is never a moral failing and getting COVID is not mm. a moral failing. Like that is not the situation. Yeah. It is a reality of the world that we live in. Um, yeah. and say that, and, yeah. And Sontag would call that a double illness, right? Mm -hmm. When you're sick, it's bad enough to be sick. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be sick and feel guilty for being sick. Mm. Just be sick. Just focus on your body, your healing, um, getting getting better. Yeah. Um, and you know, the um, one thing I tell people when they get COVID is, 
you really have to rest. If you don't rest and and really care for your body and try to de-stress as much as you can, that's more likelihood that you'll have longer symptoms like long COVID. And, so it's just really yeah about focusing on 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 your on your healing, your health. Yeah, I feel like after I got exposed, I I was like, okay, well, called a doctor and I was like, just so you know, I've been exposed. If I start to develop symptoms, can you prescribe? The Pax Pax. And he said, yes, I found a pharmacy that was close to me that had the, the pills. I went out and I got a thermometer, which is weird that I never had one. Uh, I got a pulse oximeter. Um, I got some, you know, therapeutics. And I just like, and I got some tests. And I was like, all right, yep. well, it was actually really clear. I wasn't panicking exactly. and I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was just like, these are the things that I have to do now. Yeah, I felt the same way, Teams. And for me, it was like, it's so easy to care for my, you know, to care for others. I'm like, I have to do this for my partner and I have to do that for my partner. But then I also had to realize that I had to get stuff for myself mm-hmm. and that like, I also had to make that same checklist to be like, care for yourself. Make sure you, you are going to be good if, when you, you know, when and if you get sick, make sure you are going to be good isolating away from him. Um, and I think, yeah, caring for yourself as though you would be caring for another person mm-hmm. or making that checklist to make sure you'll get through that period of illness as you know with as little pain and as little long-term significance as possible that just focusing on those actions and resting period mm. you know i'm feeling full but like i could fit one more thing inside of me dad knows how i feel Horny ass ghost. <laughs> Absolutely. Horny ass ghost. That's the uh, sound I make when you enter me. Joe, I believe you've got the cherry on our top this week. I have. I'm going to use all of the blurb buzzwords. A novel. Luminous. Uh, one of its kind. Groundbreaking. Uh, novel voice. Um, I've been reading a book, a queer book, a queer brown book. The book is The Town of Babylon by Alejandro Varela. It is so fucking gay. The premise is, it's actually, and it's really interesting because, you know, for those of you who live in the New York metro, uh, Long Island is such a weird place in that it's like the suburbs, right? It's supposed to be like fancy schmancy suburbs. But if you've ever been spent any time there, a lot of them are like working class suburbs. And it kind of, in a lot of ways, reminds me of the people that I grew up with in the rural West, right? Where it's like a lot of working class white folk, a lot of sort of... um like not a lot of people of color and a lot of racism. And so the premise is it's this, this, this Brown guy who goes home. Uh, his dad is sick. He's helping out. He's queer. He's like out, he's married. He has this whole life and he goes back and has to confront sort of the ghosts of his childhood in this suburban town, um, you know, where he has former lovers and friends who are dealing with issues. And it's again, a lot like my hometown. There are a lot of people who never leave, right? Like, so a a lot of people that he grew up with that he's been avoiding a lot of family stuff that he's been avoiding a lot of loss. It's all of a sudden right there in his, in his face. Uh, And girl, do I relate every time I go home, you just have this sense of like, Oh no, I'm a child again. You know, the, the book opens with the scene of a, fucking high school reunion just like torture right just like he's Ooh, getting shit well, faced literally it like I, going back to your hometown is a a psychosomatic experience like it is a full body like what is going on right now because i don't feel safe kind of moment yeah yeah and and, and this person is both you know 
the narrator of the book is both probably more himself at home than anywhere else, but also the least himself. It's like the most child himself. He's been running away from all the shit that happened in childhood, which of course is so um, forming. It makes you who you are. But then he's the least connected to his adult self and his partner is not there. Um, and, you know, he's facing stuff with it. it is just and the, the it is so funny and sardonic. And like you read two sentences of the narrator and you're like, oh, I know this person. I know her. Like, I know exactly, you know, this is like my faggy friend. So and so like, I know exactly who this is. The, the character is so in her own head. It's so like there's ruminations, there's back backsies and forthsies. There's so much guilt about everything. There's guilt about not feeling guilt, guilt about too much guilt. It is deeply neurotic and relatable. Um, the deeply, deeply me, but also I feel like deeply this podcast. And there's like great sex scenes in it, and a lot of sexual tension with his like former high school lover. Oh. Um, and it is just like so queer. Have any of y'all ever hooked up with like a former crush or anything like that? Uh, yeah, mm, like a, like a I hooked crush? up with. I but it, it was a girl. Okay. But I had I was in love, like one of my biggest crushes of all high school. Uh, when I was in college, I came home and we hooked up. <gasps> I, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't with a crush but i did with somebody i went to high school with later on when we were in our 20s and he had come out and we were at a party and like he was he couldn't drive home so like the friend my friend becky who was like hosting the party she like put out some uh, an inflatable mattress for us and i was like becky you realize we're gonna fuck (laughs) (laughs) you can't put two gay men on the same mattress and you fucked on an inflatable mattress you fucked on an inflatable mattress you chose violence that night wow because we know how you like it and that inflatable (laughs) mattress surely no longer exists i had Um, around (laughs) the same time though i did actually date somebody who was from Babylon and I wrote a poem called Babylon New York and it was about giving head on a rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that poem. I know is that, that poem. An, is that yeah, an we've adaptation read that. of Cher's Love on a Rooftop? I'm giving head on a rooftop. <laughs> um, um, amazing. Well, thank you for that recommendation, Joe. Yeah, it's highly recommended. Yes. It's out in hardback now. Um, go go to an author sighting. Alejandro's amazing. He's also the hair, sexy as girl, The hair. He has the best zaddy hair. Hello. Yes. I. Mm. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at Stitcher. Our producer is the fabulous and festive Farfali Alexandra De Palma. You! Uh, subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes, and we'll finally show Fran who Sade is. <laughs> Hey you, hey you. Cool. <laughs> uh, my name is Tommy Teebs Pico. I'm at Hey Teebs on Instagram because I deleted Twitter. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com where you can pre order my book all about this fucking shit that we're in. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishco anywhere you want and listen to my new podcast, Like a Virgin, with Rose Damu. And I'm Den Michelle Norris, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Den Michelle and follow my editorial pursuits at Electric Literature. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thought spelled how? T H O T. 
Not bad. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.